Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I need that word. I need that word. Acts 4, verse 14, starting. The Bible says, and beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it, but that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. For a little while this evening, I want to preach this uh, to you tonight. Kind of playing off an old phrase, yet I changed the first word. I want to preach this. Act outside the box. Act outside the box. All right? Amen. Let's join our voices together one more time in prayer. Amen. As we talk to the Lord. Master, I love you. I appreciate you. God, I pray, Lord, for your Shekinah glory to just infiltrate into this house. Every pew, every mind, every heart, every soul. Guide my lips, Lord. Mark any air from my mind, God. I'm not able to do this, Lord, by myself or alone. God, I need you to go before me. I need you, Lord, to help us tonight. I pray, oh Lord, your spirit has been so rich and so real and so powerful. Lord, in this place today, God, let it not wane right now, but God, intensify. God, with the speaking and the ministry, Lord, of your word. God, let it touch our hearts. Help us, Lord, to connect with it. Lord, with the ebb and the flow of your spirit. God, and I know, Lord Jesus, you will do right by it. God, and we thank you for it. We're grateful, Lord Jesus, for the power of your spirit. God, that we have witnessed around this place today. God, and we approach you, Lord Jesus, with that gratefulness tonight. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Amen. Everybody say amen. Oh, let's give one more uproarious hand clap unto the Lord right now. God, we appreciate you. We appreciate you. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated this evening. Act. Act outside. Act outside the box. Act outside the box. This story kind of goes back just a little bit from where we are reading it tonight in our subject matter, in our text this evening. We, we need to start the story just a, another chapter over, another chapter backwards. Because there is a man, as his custom would be, a man who, uh, this is a story now tonight that many may be familiar with, but please don't disconnect out of your familiarity, all right, with the scripture. There is a man who has been lame. He's been lame from birth, from birth. He has been carried, the Bible says, daily to the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. This was not a one-time occurrence or a one-time happening that took place in his life. This happened daily. Everybody say daily. 
daily this happened according to scripture that he was bore by his family to a beautiful gate of the temple and the Bible says he was laid there if I say he's laid there laid there evidently this is something that has happened for above 40 years according to scripture for 40 years 365 days of the year I don't know if he took holidays off but regardless he has been carried daily by his family and laid daily at the gate called beautiful of the temple he was no stranger to them who frequented the temple those who went to the temple knew who this man was they knew his condition they knew his dilemma why because daily if that was their uh, point of action to go daily then daily they seen him laid there perhaps some even would arrive early enough that they could bear witness with their eyes that he was carried there to that temple gate daily if their routine was every day they seen him Every day and every day they would be met with the cries of this man crying out for alms, crying out for silver, crying out for gold. Why? Because he was always at the gate. But he was outside the temple. Someone say outside. He was outside the temple. His family laid him there outside the temple daily. He was a lame man. He could not walk of his own means. And no doubt the people that frequented that temple, whether they be new or whether they be old, I doubt not that this man has probably told his story a thousand times. You know how it is that if uh, you were to come in here with a broken arm, you would probably like to have a session to stand up and just tell everybody at once because uh, before the service is over, you're going to feel like you've already told it uh, 75 times. Everybody asking what the deal is or what happened or how did that take place. And I believe without doubt, that this was probably the same instance with this man. He had probably told his story a million times. How he was born in the condition that they seen him in. And how nothing could be done to change his way of life. Nothing could be done to change his, his condition of being a lame man. Nothing could be done about him having to be carried daily by his family to the temple gate. He probably told them that this is my life and this is how it's going to have to be lived. This is my story. Yet the Bible records for you and I in Acts chapter number 3. Today as two men approached the temple as they normally would approach the temple. Going to the house of God at the ninth hour being the, the, the hour of prayer. That something notable was about ready to take place. Some notable act was on the verge of happening. Prayer was normally made, everybody say, on the inside. Prayer was normally made on the inside of the temple at the ninth hour. Worship and praise and adoration and exaltation to God normally took place on the inside at the ninth hour. It would happen then and it would happen there. The presence of God would fall in that sacred atmosphere of his people coming together for a time of communion, of prayer with the master praying in the name of Jesus. But there's something that happened different on this day than any 
other day where Peter and John would normally go inside the temple today. My imagination takes me as they approach the temple gate that Peter looks at John or John looks at Peter and says, I tell you what, why don't we normally do out here what we usually do in there? I can see Peter look at John and say, John, you know, you usually have that certain spot in the temple that you bow over and you kneel and you pray, and I have my spot, and that usually takes place on the inside. But why don't what we usually do in there, why don't we start having that happen right out here? Can someone say glory? And so as they are approaching the temple and they get in their mindset as they see this lame man and they oft times have and they know his story and they know he's going to cry out for alms because that is his condition, that is his formality, that is his ritual and he's seen them pass in and out a thousand times but they decided, hey, we're going to do things just a little different today rather than speaking tongues in the spirit inside the temple, we're going to do it outside the temple rather than give an exaltation and glory and praise and honor to God inside the temple we're going to do a little bit of that outside the temple instead of asking for healing for all those that are sick and diseased inside the temple we're going to have some prayer and fire fall outside the temple they were going to act outside of the box See, being born lame, being born lame, having been carried daily to the temple, hey, being born in that condition, he had no permission to enter the temple of God. The lame man had no memory of temple activity. He had no memory of what took place inside the temple because he had never been permitted to enter the temple. The only knowledge that this man had of what took place inside the temple temple is what he theorized about from outside the temple someone say glory I'm here trying to express and I don't want to get ahead of myself but I believe you know where I'm headed tonight that sometimes we have arranged and sometimes we have defined the church and the walls and our Sunday school classes and our Friday night services and our Sunday morning worship and we find ourselves trapped and confined and limited to a box but I hear a voice from heaven telling me that what takes place inside this building God is wanting to happen on the outside of this building that the power that's experienced inside these walls, he wants us to act outside of this proverbial box that we oftentimes find ourselves in. <laughs> because those on the outside, if they have never entered, those on the outside, if they've never experienced the Sunday morning worship, those on the outside, if they've never experienced a Friday night fusion, the best that they can do is theorize about what happens on the inside when they dwell on the outside. I don't want them to have a misconstrued theory about what takes place in here. I don't want them to get their information from a second or third source about what happens in here. But I think it's time for the insiders to somehow make contact with the outside. The lame man at best could just theorize about what happened on the inside. 
never been in there, never been subjected to what happened in there. He could only at best guess what took place on the inside. And for decades, he's seen people enter and he has seen people leave. Woo. He'd see people maybe go in with bowed over lowly head and come out with exuberant smiles and an uplifted chin. And he could only theorize what's happened between the time that they went in and the time that they have came out. Mm, some would say glory. For decades he's seen them come and he had seen them go and maybe the influence of what he's theorizing about has been somewhat influenced by other people in his same position that's never been on the inside. But you know, there's, here is the popular thing, ladies and gentlemen. The case in many instances, everybody on the outside believes they are the authority on what takes place on the inside. Although if they've never been there, they've never experienced that, they've never trampled the temple floor either, there's many people that believe they know exactly what takes place around here. And if the only voice of information that they are receiving are from those that believe they are the authority on the matter on what happens in there, let me tell you, it is largely misconstrued. It is very limited. It is very shallow. And the only way to combat that, the only way to change that, the only way to alter that is for those that are on the inside to go beyond the walls and get to the outside. Someone say amen. I can see it. Hey, Peter, why don't we pray? Why don't we start praying out here today? How about before we, we stretch across the threshold of the temple prior to even getting through the gate? Why don't we already start praying out here today? Hallelujah. And I can almost see them after that idea was birthed within their hearts and within their minds that then there's Peter gesturing to the lame man who was born in that condition, a condition that cannot be changed, a condition that cannot be altered dealing with a man who might have theories about what takes place on the opposite side of the wall he gestures to that lame man he says hey buddy look on us and in verse 5 Acts 3 and verse 5 the Bible says and he speaking of the lame man gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them because I've heard what takes place on the opposite side of this wall. I've seen the difference of people that entered here and then left here. I've worked with people. I've worked with people that went in there and that came out of there. Somebody hear me right now. This man who had theorized about what happens on the inside. This man who had given ear to what others had said took place inside there. Amen. Who had this dilemma. Amen. From birth. Several who visited this place regularly. He's seen them. Here he is now expecting to receive something. Everybody say something. And something powerful. 
is on the verge of happening. If I can play on the old joke, this man was crying out for alms, but God was about ready to give him some legs. Hallelujah. You get that next Sunday. Peter and John prayed in the name of Jesus outside. Peter and John started talking to God outside the temple. Peter and John didn't wait till they got to their sweet spot in the sanctuary. They made their sanctuary where their prayer was. And they started to pray in the name of Jesus outside this temple. And the Bible says that Peter put forth his hand and grabbed a hold of him. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. And strength came to this man's ankle bone and legs. And he leaped up and stood and walked and praised God. That didn't happen at a prayer line in the temple. That didn't happen at a prayer room in the temple. But that happened outside the temple that happened outside the door God's wanting to do something in his church in this hour that's just not contained to the four walls of this assembly he's wanting to take something beyond the walls beyond the perceived parameter outside for us to act outside of this proverbial box And now this man, that was sitting, he's standing, he's walking, he's leaping, he's praising God. He's entering the temple for his first time. And the Bible tells me in Acts 3 and 10, and they knew, they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. They knew this was he who had been lame from birth they knew this was he whose family carried him daily to the doors of the temple they knew this was he that had told the story to them this is my life this is the way life is always going to be and nothing can do be done to change but that same man that there couldn't be a change for that same man that there couldn't be a change for sister Craig when there was a group of people that was normally on the inside said hey let's take this thing to the outside that man that had no hope could not be changed because somebody took what was on the inside to the outside now is leaping walking standing pro There are conditions outside of the wall that their story is similar to his and in their own estimation, there is no hope. There cannot be a change. This is the way that life is and the way that life always will be. And perhaps that will be the case if we take what we do on the inside and let it remain on the inside. But I'm trying to be a voice of a thousand trumpets tonight. Let's get this thing outside of the box. Let's take it outside of the building because there are some people without hope that's in need of the experience that takes place in here.
The Bible says the people saw this. The people who knew him, knew his story, saw this. The man that sat is now standing. The man who had been carried is now walking. The Bible says that they were filled with wonder. They were filled with amazement. Oh, God, help me right here. Why were they filled with wonder? Why were they filled with amazement? Was it because he had been there for above 40 years? Were they filled with wonder and amazement because he had been born like that and evidently it was an unchangeable condition? Were they filled with wonder and amazement or because it wasn't, listen to me here, real very close. Could it be that they were filled with wonder and amazement because it wasn't just Jesus' ministry that was supposed to operate outside the temple? Because in Jesus' earthly ministry, and this is after that, this is after the death, burial, and resurrection. This is after the ascension of the Christ. But whenever Jesus had his earthly ministry, Jesus performed miracles and ministry did not just take place inside the temple during Jesus' earthly ministry. Some things happened inside the temple, but some things also happened outside the temple. And I would dare to say if you trace the scripture of the New Testament that there were probably more things done in Jesus' ministry outside the synagogue, outside the temple, than there was inside the temple. But we have a preconceived boundary, Brother Mason. We have a preconceived notion in the church that that was only good for Jesus' ministry. Yet he spoke to those meager 12 disciples and said, greater works than these shall you not only see, but shall you do. Oh, someone say glory. Jesus did that. That happened during his earthly ministry. But honey, a boat's about ready to be rocked right here. Hallelujah. Because the first, the first notable miracle, notable physical miracle that took place after Jesus ascended. Look, it wasn't one that took place in a temple, but it's one that took place outside. Someone say glory. <laughs> And so through the obedience of Peter, through the obedience of John, there's a tone that's being set here for the early church. Someone say glory. The commission that the Lord had given his disciples before he ascended, some of the last words that he shared with them before he ascended in Mark 16, 15, was not to go into the church. It was not to go into every conference you came. It was not to go into every camp meeting and every NYC. It was not a compelling to go into your Sunday school class. It wasn't a compelling to go to Friday night fusion. But his word of advice before he ascended was, boys, 
go into all the world. In other words, act outside of the box. He was telling his disciples, boys, you can't keep this thing contained. You can't keep this thing boxed up. You can't keep this thing in seclusion and isolation and all damned up for yourself. You gotta get this thing outside. You Look what happened. Listen to me. Look what happened in Mark 16. Look what would happen outside the box for the believers. I want to emphasize this. He told them to go into all the world. What follows in Mark chapter number 16 and verses 17 and 18. Listen to me. Look where he told them to go. What happens in these verses happened where they were going. I'm not saying it didn't happen in the synagogue. But it was meant for places beyond the synagogue. It was meant for places beyond the church. It was meant for places beyond the temple. The Bible says in Mark 16 verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues they shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them they shall lay hands that's what happened here at Acts chapter 4 and 3 they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover these were things that were supposed to happen outside 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 in other words Jesus was saying in the world devils would be cast out in the world people would speak with new tongues in the world people would be unscathed from pending hurt and evil in the world sick people would recover outside of the box these things were going to he wasn't mincing words he wasn't wasting words he wanted to make it emphatically clear guys you better not box up the momentum of what started in the earthly ministry of my presence being here. You better not box this up. You better not hoard it to yourself. You need to let it go beyond the perimeters of you 12. My ultimate purpose, amen, for Peter, James, and John who are there at some of the miraculous points in my ministry of seeing dead raised and going to a mount of transfiguration is not for you to kick back in your so-called Elks Club and talk about when Jesus did this. No, I'm commissioned you to go beyond the meager inner circle of the three or even of the twelve and that you take this thing into the world. Now let me get to my text. After 30 minutes, surely we can get to the text. The verses that I read to you tonight is after the lame man has been healed miraculously. That miraculous demonstration that took place at the gate called beautiful. Peter and John, after this occurrence, is seized by some of the hierarchy of their day some of the rulers, some of the leaders, they begin to question them by what name or by what authority has this been done. 
And without shame in their response, they declared, by Jesus Christ. And after hearing them, and more importantly, after witnessing the man who had been lame, standing with them, who used to be going nowhere without the aid of somebody. After witnessing this and questioning them, these rulers say, Peter and John and, and once lame boy, step out for a little bit. And they had a private meeting. And they begin to confer. Listen to me. They begin to confer among themselves. And they look over at the one and say, you know what? That guy has been like that for 40 years. He should have been like that until the day he died. But you've seen it the same as I did with your own eyes. He stood. What are we going to do to Peter? What are we going to do to John? Because we cannot refute what's happened. It's undeniable. That there's been a supernatural experience here. We can't say anything against what has happened. We can't say anything against what's happened there. But Brother Michael, they are conferring among themselves. What can we do? What can we do? We can't deny it. We can't speak against it. So where is our loophole? What can we do? Someone say, what can they do? What can they do? The Bible says in Acts 4, 16. I'm back to my text here, Sister Rhonda. You might have to go backwards a little bit. Acts 4 and verse 16. Saying, here is the question. What shall we do to these men for that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot someone say we cannot we cannot deny they said undoubtedly something has happened undoubtedly there has been some experience it's been evidenced by us and many people this used to be a cripple. The Bible says that they seen and they knew that man. He used to be a cripple, but he's not a cripple anymore. We can't say anything against that. This has happened. This is definitely real. We can't deny it. We can't say anything against it. But what can we do to these men? Verse number 17. It's undeniable all this took place. We can't say anything against it. We can't deny it. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this. Whenever they concluded that they could not deny that it happened. When they concluded that they couldn't speak against what had rightly taken place, 
They couldn't deny the experience. When they concluded that, they said the only thing we can do is keep its impact and its influence from spreading. I'm preaching to a group of people at First Apostolic Church that they outside of here cannot deny what takes place in here. They can't refute it. They can't deny it. They can't say anything against it. But let me tell you what the adversary of the church would like to do. Since he can't deny the experiences that you and I had and the changed lives that we've had. Since he can't say anything against it, he's going to try his best to keep it from spreading. Just keep it in the box. Just keep it in the church. Just keep it in your Sunday morning worship service. Just keep it in your Friday night fusion. Don't let it out of the box. Because there's nothing else I can do but just try to keep it from spreading. I don't know if you get that. I don't know if you get that. I don't know if you get that. In other words, they're not concerned how much they would celebrate between the lame man and Peter and John. They don't care how high that guy's leaping. They don't care how much he's praising God. Just don't let his story get outside. He don't care if he's been crippled all of his life and now he's dancing the glory down. But as long as he keeps in the box and dance the glory. I don't know if he just keeps his experience in that little box and that little perceived boundary. Honey, that's fine. You do it till heyday, till kingdom come. But we're going to get nervous if it gets outside. So I'm up here dancing and I'm up here shouting and I'm feeling God. Man, that's great. I endorse it and do it. But let me tell you, hell's not afraid of that. What hell's afraid of? If you take that same experience that you have inside of here and you get it beyond the walls of this assembly, they can't refute your experience, but they want to quelch and squelch its impact outside of the box. tactic has not changed people's lives by definition should have always been that way are changed and altered they can't refute that they can't deny it but they don't want that permeating and pervading beyond where it occurred in other words those old council members were saying let's just contain the situation Let's, let's just contain the situation. The age-old ploy of the enemy is him not caring so much what happens in the, inside the box as long as it stays inside. Because the dangerous mode is this. He knows he can't deny what's happening. So if it ever gets outside, he doesn't have a leg to stand on because he can't deny 
what's happening in there so that if it ever gets out there, he don't have a leg to stand. He can't say anything against it. He can't deny the results. He can't refute the changed lives. All he wants to do is just try, try to keep it isolated. Don't let it spread. It's the same old story, Bishop. It's the reason why Daniel was put in the lion's den. Didn't want it to spread. It's the reason why the three Hebrew boys were put in a fiery furnace. Didn't want it to spread. Same reason why the prophet Jeremiah was placed in a pit. They didn't want it to spread. Paul was incarcerated and put in prison. Why? They didn't want it to spread. John was banished to an called Patmos, a barrenness and isolation. Why? They did not want it to spread. And it's the only available tactic that the enemy has is just try, 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 if you will, to isolate it. But they can't deny the experience. All they can do is try to keep it from spreading. I would dare to say that the phraseology of Vegas sometimes has been adopted for the church of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and now we say what happens in church stays in church but that was never the will of God that was never the purpose of God that was never the intent of God he wants the world to have an epidemic on their hands some would say yeah because before they try to isolate this the Bible says that 5,000 men had already been influenced by the occurrence of the lame man now being able to walk and leap and praise God and I believe the leaders while they were conferring among themselves it says boys we better put a stop to this now we better keep this boxed up now because if we don't get this thing under control we're going to have another Pentecost on our hands because the miracle of Pentecost is not that there was 120 in the upper room, but what happened in the upper room was noised abroad. It got outside of the box. We're going to have ourselves another Pentecost on our hands if we allow this thing to spread. Run out of water, I'll just let it drip back in and drink it. Let's just go. Mm. Bishop's gonna go get one. So sensitive to the will of God, the Spirit. According to the centers, listen, according to the centers for disease control and prevention. Something capable of being passed directly from person to person is considered contagious. And a method in which they use to prevent that and inhibit that from happening is isolation. They control the spread of something that's contagious by limiting people's exposure to it. I know it's speaking in a negative terminology, but if there would be an epidemic that would come upon the world, their number one tool, primarily and firstly, to use to keep that from happening was to start isolating people who were infected. And in the spiritual, I don't believe there's much difference. That the way, 
that they're trying to keep this thing called his spirit, his presence, his power, his miracle working power, Brother Kinslow, from working as he's trying to isolate us. Just keep them in their drywall. Keep them in their pews. Keep them in the comfort and the confines of the atmosphere of their sanctuary because what they got's contagious. And if they ever make contact with somebody else, by all means, they're going to get it. said, Brother McGee, that's a bunch of baloney. You just, I don't know what happened. You overate today and it's affecting me. Well, I want you to know I did overeat today, but it's not affecting me. <laughs> I've already laid my chicken and ham already back on the plate through this sweat, I'm telling you right now. Listen to me. In today's society, listen. The expanse, the increase... The proliferation, if you will. And I'm not trying to do no one do justice to these things, but listen to me. Of drugs and alcohol and divorce and homosexuality and such things of the like. Their increase, their spread, their proliferation in our society today has happened because society has stopped isolating them. I, I, let me just be real frank for just a moment just real frank the terminology concerning uh, uh, people vying for the attention of other of opposite sex and let me tell you I love every homosexual and lesbian and gay person but I hate the sin alright we understand that have no problem with the person but I have problem with the sin the Bible has problem with the sin Jesus Christ has problem with the sin but the old terminology that they even had themselves is that they're coming out of the closet do you know what that's festered? Do you know what that's bred? By them coming out of isolation, it's become contagious. And there's other people and other people that are walking the same road. And that is pervading and going through here and there and everywhere. And if society has made such a clause for them to come out, it's time for the Pentecostals. It's time for the Apostolics to come, if you will, out of your closet, out of your, oh God, out of your sanctuary, out of your place of being confined, restricted, and let this thing spread because we're contagious. We're contagious. And through the negativity, the Bible says the world's going to wax worse. Why? Because they're going to become less quarantined and less isolated. And if the church is going to get better, we're going to have to step outside of our box, step outside of our boundaries, step outside of our constrictions.
When Paul spoke to King Agrippa? When Paul spoke to King Agrippa? And he assured the king, this is what he, he told the king right in front of his face. He said, King, I'm, I'm sure that you've been exposed to what I've been talking about. He said, I'm sure you've been exposed to what I've been talking about. He said, these things have not been hidden. <laughs> these things have not been hidden. And the Bible tells us that the pomp and the prestige of a king was almost persuaded to be a Christian. Because according to Paul, he said, hey, honey, this thing hasn't been done in a corner somewhere. The influence and the impact was nearly swaying the heart of a king because the people decided, we're not boxing this thing up. We're not doing this in a corner. We're not keeping this secluded. You'll be realized the impact that First Apostolic Church could have and will have when we get beyond the confines of the building, outside in the streets, outside of these doors. You'll touch the hearts of governors and mayors and prestigious people in the community if you ever get this thing outside of the box. You may be seated. My iPhone says time's up. I think I just need to update its iOS. It's just not functioning properly. <laughs> My title is Act Outside the Box. It's really an alteration of an old time phrase that was think. You remember the phrase think outside of the box. <laughs> the idea or the phraseology of think outside of the box was actually a saying and a lesson that was derived from what was known as the nine-dot puzzle. If you can show that slide, the nine-dot puzzle. This is where that saying, I think, outside the box came from. Nine-dot puzzle. dates all the way back to 1912. And the objective of this puzzle, if you're a puzzle person, you may have already done this before in your time because all of us here, it's been in our lifetime. <laughs> Not very often you get to say that. That should make some of you mature people feel really good. <laughs> Unless you came over with Columbus when it was for, yeah. <laughs> but the objective was to connect the dots by drawing four straight continuous lines that passed through each of the nine dots and never leaving the pencil or the pen from the paper. And what was the frustration, the difficulty, the heartache of many of the puzzlers was that they could not succeed in doing this. Because Brother Mason, they always just by looking at those nine dots, there was a perception that there was a boundary around the edge of the dot array. They had problems bringing solution to the puzzle because just looking at that, they were bound by the perimeter of the dots. Yet the solution of the puzzle, you can show it. There is no way possible to draw four straight lines without ever raising the pen if you try to keep inside of what you would perceive to be the boundary of the box. The heart of the matter and the frustration of the people is that there was an unspecified barrier that was perceived. No one ever said... You couldn't go beyond the dot. 
It was never written in the criteria of the puzzle. You had to stay within the perimeter of the dots. But by their own making, they perceived this is as far as we can go. But the only solution to the puzzle is, as you can see, extending beyond the preconceived bound. Church family, the only solution to this thing we call church is to go beyond the preconceived boundary that many of us have. We gotta go beyond the box. If you'd stand, I gotta shut up, I gotta finish. Stand with me, help me out. And so since that time, people has adopted them that think outside the box. They've done it in business. They've done it in leadership. They've done it in management. Where are they saying, go beyond what you believe is common. Go beyond what you think is the height that you can go and go a little further. Because we get preconceived notions, Sister Craig. This is the best that we can do. This is the furthest that we can go. This is the greatest we can expand. But I'm asking you tonight, act outside of that box. Because it would be a device of the enemy to make you have that preconceived notion that I guess I got to stay right within this parameter. Israel was so caught up in that idea that whenever the Ark of the Covenant was taken by the Philistines, uh-huh, and Phineas died, uh-huh, and Eli died. That Phineas' wife has a baby and she calls it Ichabod. That the glory of the Lord has departed because she thought it was just all in the box. But it was even in that period of time that there became a new revelation to the people that God is beyond the box. The Bible says, Matthew 5. I'm not leaving that one out, sister. I got to use it. Matthew 5 and verse number 14. You just saw you getting off going to a song. We still got word. Matthew 5, 14. He says, ye are the light of the world. Do we have a flashlight around here? I forgot mine. I meant to bring one. We need a flashlight. Somebody got a flashlight right now. Praise God. Someone thought the lights were going to go off from the electricity tonight, and they brought their flashlight. You are the light of the world. I don't care how big or small it is. Look, we, got, we can sing this little light of mine. How we, can we do it and wait? <sighs> you are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Shut those lights off for me, Andy. Shut those lights off for me. Shut those lights off for me. Shut those lights. You're the light of the world. If you got a light, just put your hand over top of that light just as tight as you can. Put your hand over it just as tight as you can. He says, neither do men. I can still read because i got an iPad, thank God. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. Listen to me. Whenever you got that light that's within your hand covered up, hid and covered up, the radiance of that light and the heat of that light are just as real. 
they are just as real. The light that would put, be put under a bushel, its intensity, the radiance of the heat would be just as real under a bushel as when it would be set on a candlestick. The only difference, hear me, the only difference is one's isolated and then the other is exposed. The intensity can't be denied. It can't be refuted. It can't be spoken against. The devil's saying, I just want you to take all that power, all of that presence, all of that undeniable experience, and just keep it isolated. Woo! But if that same intensity, it's no different. That same power, that same manifestation that's on the inside would be exposed. Turn the lights back on for me. Then we're going to have an epidemic on our hands. We're going to have a contagious fit on our hands that there won't be any ability to stop it because it can't be denied. If our musicians would come right now, our musicians would come right now. Hallelujah. If you start lifting up your hands across this building right now, our musicians can come. I'm asking for the first apostolic church. I'm asking for the uh, members of this assembly. I'm asking for the old. I'm asking for the young. I'm asking for the middle aged, the single, the married. It matters not. I'm asking somebody tonight to step over the line of the preconceived box tonight. Step over the line because the enemy cannot defeat or speak against the experience that God has worked in your life. He just does not want that that to spread to somebody else that's sitting at a gate called beautiful he does not want that to spread to your neighbors he doesn't want you to spread it to your co-workers he doesn't want you to spread it to people in this community just keep it boxed up at 1121 Cedar Street and that will suffice your adversary but the moment that it's breathed beyond there the moment that that contagiousness Brother Mike Trout affects somebody else you know. Because when they get affected, then it affects somebody else. And when they get affected, that affects, and we got us an epidemic on our hands. And I pray God in the spirit that we would get an epidemic around here. I don't want the church to be the place where we put everybody that's infected by his spirit. To keep it from spreading. I want this to be the place. That as people are affected, we send them out. I know the disease control center would never do that. Unless they were really vile and menacing. But in the realm of the spirit and the church, it's time to do that. (laughs) Cough on your hands. You know how it is when we get something in the house, you know. Especially with kids, man. And they're probably the same spiritually as it is naturally. Kids just don't know how to keep stuff from being contagious. They don't wash their hands. They sneeze on it and then they slap Johnny on the cheek. So what we do, man, we got, you know, we get sanitizer in the family fun size. We baptize them in sanitizer. We're wiping doorknobs and their sneakers and shoestrings. And we'd almost just wipe off every Cheerio they'd put in their mouth. Because, man, there's an epidemic in the house. This thing's contagious. We got to keep this thing from spreading. We need to lose the hand sanitizer mentality in the church. 
stop saying, well, you, that's all right here, but don't go out there and do that. You know what happens sometimes in our house? You know, sometimes I get over all the, you know, trying to be so careful stuff because I'm like, if I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this. You know? I mean, really, i just like, if I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this. It's a bunch of baloney. Let's quit that and say, it's all right. We're family. If it happens, it happens. And we walk into the building, into our little isolation zone. We say, we know if it happens for us tonight, it's going to, we're family anyway. If it happens, it happens. We're family. So if it happens, this thing needs to spread. This thing needs to spread. The only upper hand he has on the church is trying to keep it from spreading. Nancy Robinson, he can't deny your experience. Iva Branham, he can't say anything against what God's done for you. The only thing he can do is say, let her keep her testimony in the church. Let Sister Nancy just tell people in the church how God's provided for her along this way of being unemployed. Just let her talk about it inside the church. Because if it gets out, her hands are tied. The devil says, if that gets out, I can't do anything about it. That's the voice for this. That is the voice and the will of God for this place right here. Because if it gets out, he can't do anything about it. These altars are open. Come on, let's hasten to the throne right Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.